welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard, I'll be your host through November. Because joining me tonight, um, he's standing at the castle wall, he's looking down at the land in front of him, and there's a slow procession of something horrific and horrible. There's only one thing to do, and that is to build your towers, because you've got to watch out, because across the land... There's the possibility of a terminus breach. So joining me tonight is Matt Lloyd. He's got terminus breach. It's on Kickstarter right now. We've brought him on to have a chat as we like to do. So hello, Matt. How are you doing? Hey, Richard. I'm doing good. I didn't realize that there was going to be singing. You don't. You don't expect me to sing. I uh, look. If um, if you want me to do a beat and if you want to do a bit a cappella, then that is. That is that is fine and dandy with me. Um, Terminus breach, ha! <laughs> Terminus breach. It's been um, it's been running. This is its first into its first week now, almost Just um, now. the first yep. week. Yeah, and um, it's going well. Things are going well. Let me pull it up. It looks like we are currently sixty-six gonna- percent funded. Yeah, which is pretty good. Which is pretty good, and that's good. Um, the reason that well, I guess we better say hello to everybody out there. Hello, everybody out there. I hope you started uh, your Christmas. Sh- I hope you started your Christmas shopping. If not, don't panic. Still plenty of time. The reason that we do this is because um, there's quite simply there's not enough podcasts out there about board games, and also the other thing is as well as I like really really speaking to anyone at all, including. Matt Lloyd as well. And the second reason that we do this is because um, probably about six or seven weeks ago, I got um, introduced to Matt and he was looking for somebody to do a voice for the Kickstarter video. <laughs> and stupidly, he let me do it. So um, <laughs> you, you did know. a great job. <laughs> so I th- and then I said, okay, so you know, because you've had to endure listening to the countless number of outtakes which I put on a <laughs> on an audio file for you, it only seemed fair that it was worthwhile kind of dragging you back on so you could speak to you in real time so you could suffer even more. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, it was actually really fun. But, I used to I used to work in a recording studio uh, for the two and a half years yeah. I was a sound engineer in a recording studio. So um, I hadn't had a chance to really sit down and mess with sound files in in some years. So that was it was really kind of great to get the raw file and be like, oh, what do I do? Like, oh, I get to mix and master <laughs> this together. Like, yeah, let's do it. You know, I, was, I got all excited about it. <laughs> uh it was good fun. It was strange, kind of like usually because I'm completely unscripted, and as I keep joking with people, it's kind of like, yeah, um, here's the show notes. So they go, I didn't get an email. And it's like, that's right, because there's no show notes. We don't do show notes. We generally do this kind of stuff off the cuff. Um, but we're not here to talk about me and my um, awkward um, accent. That <laughs> we're here to talk about you, and we're here to find out a little bit more, kind of about about your good self. So we are going to have a we're going to have a peek back at the past. We're going to focus on the Draca of the present <laughs> before we look on to the defence of the towers of the future. What are you talking about? Um, <laughs> I have no idea. But um, This is great. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how you got in the hobby? How I got into gaming? What's oh, my gosh. Your, yeah, what's your, yeah, what's your history? Because oh you gosh. say in your bio... 
you say in your bio on Kickstarter, I've been gaming forever. I have, yeah. So how, I'm 37 I mean, years old. What is? Uh, I, I grew up in Alaska. Um, and, All right. Uh, you know, Alaska is famous for its long, dark, cold winters. And um, also mm-hmm. what it's famous for is uh, its, its sense of community, right? And those two things go really well together because we have these long, yeah. dark, cold winters. We all just gather in each other's houses and eat food and play games and stuff. So it really started, you know, back then. I mean, I think, I believe I started playing Dun- Dungeons and Dragons was the first I ever played. And that was second edition. I believe, but what? But in fact, what I did before that is I started reading fantasy. Um, I started reading the Dragonlance series initially, and oh yeah, and McCaffrey and things like that. I loved all that kind of stuff. So I got into that like even back in you know grade school, back when I was sixth grade. So and then and then started playing D and D after that, and it just you know blossomed from there. Everything I could get my hands on, I played Magic. I mean, I won't say that I don't play Magic now. I've just I've just started and stopped playing magic about eight times in my life you know because <laughs> i like I, do you dust off the old collection can of bring it um, out I, again i, for I have a like... very small amount of cards that i keep with me but every time i collect up a bunch of cards and i make a bunch of really great decks and then i play it and then they come out with some, yeah. new, some new mechanic that like overwhelms me and undoes everything all the work <laughs> i just did and instead of getting into that i just sell all the stuff that i had and i keep this little core pack of cards again for another two or three years until they come out with another mechanic that really attracts me and then i go and buy a bunch of cards it's a ridiculous cycle i don't know how they do it to me are you effectively kind of repeatedly kind of flipping the table it's It's kind of like and somebody says okay so what you do just tap that and bring that card back on again no no (laughs) no i'm 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 not a table flipper um I'm, i'm i have a quiet fury you know so i just stand up and leave and then i go sell all my cards you know <laughs> and then they'll go and destroy a local right, car. Right, totally. <laughs> but um with I mean the D and D stuff, did you I mean do you get like because everybody I mean it's it's like you say the Alaska community is kind of all together and stuff like that. Is it um do you get to play for like is it just that is the case? You are indoors. It's really, really dark. You've got to kind of like stay together and just like your map. Did you have like mammoth gaming sessions when you were like growing up? But it's kind of like, well, it's Friday, school's finished, and then it's just let's just crack on with, you know, playing D and D for the next kind of forty. Yeah, hours yeah, no, that's thing. essentially it. I mean, uh, we did, you know, we did a lot of playing outside and stuff. But when it's like, you know, minus thirty out uh, Fahrenheit, yeah. right? I just uh, it's. <laughs> uh, just in case you were confused, you know. Um, it's all right. I'm too used to people kind of from from the Americas telling me about their their um their rubbish temperature scale being in Fahrenheit. Oh, we have a, we have a new scale for I mean, everything. You know, you know what let's I mean? go on. If we can come up with a messed up scale for it and then adopt <laughs> it, or we'll do that any day of the week. It doesn't matter if the other one makes sense. You know. It just doesn't, yeah, exactly. Water freezes at zero degrees. That's the whole point. Is zero degrees is the freezing point of water. No, it's not the minus American way th- is 32, okay? Because it's, it's totally. <laughs> so, what happens at zero degrees Fahrenheit then? It's really cold. It's minus 32 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? It doesn't make any sense. 
Does that make it's any neg- sense? It's a negative temperature. What it's is it? Less, what it's is less it? than zero. It hurts really bad, you know, if it's that cold. What is it that you have in America that freezes at zero degrees Fahrenheit? This is what we, these are important <laughs> questions that have to be asked. Americans, you know, just I've no, I've it's, no idea. It's cold, I'm just lost, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I've no doubt it's cold. That like, but I, mean, I, it, I just like to know what. It's just like metric and standard. You know what I mean? Like a metric system just makes entirely too much sense. Why would you base everything off of tens just because <laughs> everything else is based off of tens and that makes a ton of sense? No, let's go with twelves. Twelves is good. We yeah. still get inches here. You still get old money and new money. So people will go, you still get things where you go to the store and it's like you try to buy wood for a project or something. They say, well, how wide is that? And he goes, 50, you know, it's 50 mil. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. Right, right. And then they say, it's like, it's four. And then they say, well, what else? Well, you can always get a two by four. And it's like, well, what? <laughs> Why are we confusing things now? <laughs> like a, a, two, a two by four mil is very small, you know. I, I don't it's, want, what am I going like to build with that? It's like a cocktail I'm going to pick my teeth with it. That's what's going to be happening instead. Yeah, I don't know. I feel, so, I feel sometimes anyway, like a, America has an infatuation with the arbitrary. Just, just you know? making it difficult. I'm just being awkward. <laughs> it's United, Sta- United States of awkwardness. That's what it is. It's, it's the wrong thing. You got your initials wrong, guys. I'm here to rewrite your constitution. Um, but um, right. So you went, you, you dropped in and out of magic. Um Obviously, I take it because usually I say to people, "So, how big's your magic collection?" And they go, "Well, I hate to say, but I've got about five binders of the things. I've got about you know twenty thousand cards." And you're like saying, "I got five, okay? Deal with it. I got five cards." No, I have, I have, I have about, I have about two hundred. Yeah, I have, I have just, just some small mm-hmm. deck boxes of you know, basically like they're they're essentially a bunch of you know, mythics and stuff like that that I collected for my last couple mm-hmm. decks that uh, that I just mm-hmm. haven't sold or I want to, you know, because th- those kind of cards, I sell them to my friends. I don't want to, I mean, I could take them to the, to the shop and go offload them there, but they were really hard to get my hands on, you know. So if my friends want them, they can buy them off me or I'll just give them to them. But, they, but, but I, I, I tend to sell all my other ones and then I keep those really special rare yeah. cards, you know. And my last, the last time I played, I made this really huge green and white angel deck. It was, it was primarily mythics. It was a really ridiculous deck. So I still have a bunch of those, you know. Do you make, do you make kind of like legal decks that you could play? in a tournament or is it the kind of this is the ideal deck so that no matter what kind of happens I'm always going to win you know nobody's ever going to defeat me no, that I is, am the master of myself kind of thing yeah I'm very much that way I like to just crush I don't I'm not a huge fan of I mean I, I don't mind playing tournaments but I, I love it like a drafting tournament you know what I mean I love deck building mm-hmm. that's one of my favorite things about it is deck building and um, I mm-hmm. like being able to deck build on the spot you know be creative about how you come up with something so drafting tournaments are really cool for me um, but as far mm-hmm. as like standing Mm-hmm. tournaments and stuff like that i never you won't find me at one of those with one of my decks because you know i just we just uh we the people that i always played with we just kind of agreed on which cards were allowed and which cards were not you know i guess but mm-hmm. but for the most part all's fair you know because if it's wide open then then it's wide open you know anybody can build a wide open mm-hmm. deck you know you may have an uh, like it what you're calling an unbeatable elf deck but I've seen a black yeah. and white vampire deck that'll eat an elf deck, like right now. That's that's fully legal, you know. So I don't know. But honestly, the last one that got me out of Magic was Commander, 
So it's been an era. Oh, right. It's been an era since I've played, you know. So what kind of game, I mean, what kind of games do you play then? I mean, what kind of, what's your kind of your bag? I mean, did you do what a lot of people do, which is I played, you played X amount for a long, for a certain period of time, and then education or job job got in the way, and then you found yourself going back into the hobby, or have you been kind of slow and steady since you started playing? You know, you've not, you've never kind of let it go. I did kind of take a couple years off there in my early 20s. I went and I moved down to Seattle, and it, and then we, I backpacked around Europe with my best friend. We actually went to Scotland. I spent, spent mm-hmm. some time in Glasgow. Um, oh. Um, and so during that time, you know, that was just all about, like, living life to its fullest, right? And I, don't, I didn't – I was away. I didn't really play many games then. I did play a lot of chess during that time, so I sort of channeled it into something like chess. And I – I uh, I also do art and music, so as long as I'm either making art or doing music, I, I tend to feel fulfilled. And I was I was traveling Europe, playing music, busking, playing music on the street. So I was doing that every day. So it was a really active time in my life, and I didn't really miss mm-hmm. gaming. But then once once that period ended and it slowed down again, I just picked up. That was kind of when I got into real heavy Euro games with a you know crowd of crowd oh, right, of old okay. friends in Alaska that <laughs> kind of took it upon themselves to start their own collections, you know, and I and started really opening my eyes yeah. to the to the world of Euro gaming. And it was, you know, just took off from there. So and then I just play mostly mostly anything I can get my hands on now, you know. So you like rocked back from Europe. I'm taking it the beard was starting to make itself an appearance and you were like rocking up and said, Let's play some magic and they're like, No guys, Matt, we've discovered something else and they started putting Euro after Euro on the right. table. And just saying, you know, while you're away, while you're away, we're doing this. We're learning points, man. We got our power right. grid on. Yeah, you know what I mean. We're building we're stations, through the ages, you know, and everything along those yeah, lines. things like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exercising our dominion, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. It was great. We're going to, see, we're going other, to see the seven any, wonders of the world. You know? That's just. You just you just dropping knowledge, Mister Lloyd. Just dropping knowledge. <laughs> so uh, your your timeline was a little bit off, though. The beard wasn't to make um, a solid appearance until much later, because uh, when I came back, I I, I had to, uh, you know, I was broke because I'd been traveling for a mm. while. So I really had to like, um, you know, find something to do, go to work, and start making money. And um, I started this long string of working jobs that wouldn't let me have a beard, but paid me really well. So I had to make that unfortunate decision over and over and over again. And I finally worked hard enough that I could put myself through graphic design school and start my own mm. freelance graphic design business. And and uh, that's when the beard made its, you know, its real <laughs> unveiling. And it, and it hasn't disappeared since then, you know. <laughs> it's, an, it's an impressive thing. I mean, it's also, it's, it's technically there should be a stretch goal in the game, which allows you to, <laughs> once you reach a certain funded target, that you actually get to win kind of like your beard. And kind of like a replica, you know. Once like little, we reach, I'll, once I'll do we a reach, print and play cutout of my beard. You know, I think I think that's a potentially that is a stretch goal for say, <laughs> and I wouldn't spoil them near the beginning. I'd make these people work for their beard. <laughs> right. I would say maybe two hundred k, 
That's funny. You know, everybody gets a print and play version of the beat. I, you know, don't because I've been let by, I've been let down before about this, and don't <laughs> think I've forgotten this Peter Blankenness of terror when we talked about a bearded meeple and what happened with his bearded meeple. Nothing, nothing happened with his bearded meeple. So all I'm saying to you, Matt, is just you don't have to promise me. It's not a case that this is recorded and going out in front of everybody that's potentially backed the game. (laughs) All I'm saying, guys, if it gets to the end of the campaign, right, and there's not like a stretch goal, it'd be a print and play version. You've been doing these 3D files. You could have little beards for everybody. A little Matty Lloyd beards for everybody. A 3D take to your library and have printed and then put put little hooks on it. Or you can put it on the characters. You hook it on your ears and wear the 3D printed beard, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're with me. You're in the room with me. It's getting, this is where we're going with this. It's getting worse. This is going to work. Either that or it's it's printable beards for all the characters. I think it just has to be done. Right. Okay. It's perfect. <laughs> That's perfect. Um, how do you go <clears throat> from being? I mean, I take it you've obviously you've settled down. You've start. You've got you put yourself through graphic design school. You're working kind of um, freelance on your own business. You know, are you working off working for yourself in your own business? Mm-hmm. I take it during that time, uh, you know, you settled down and everything like that. Are you still playing games? I mean, do you have do you have a decent collection at the moment? Do you have like a collection of games? You know that you grow. I mean, are you still involved in the hobby, or is it a case that look? Is a case of we eating this week or we playing this week kind of thing? <laughs> you, know? you know, especially uh, if you're working for yourself. It's sort of. It's sort of both. I, I, so I live in Portland now with my family. Mm. Um, so I don't really have mm-hmm. my, my, my gaming community that I'm used to in Alaska. I don't have that kind of community here. But but Portland itself is a huge gaming community. So I can always go to any game store here, and there's always somebody to play any game with. It's, it's amazing here. So I don't mm-hmm. want for that. Um, and and but the truth is is that uh, my my shelfie is. Uh, less than impressive. I just, you know, I've just always been, I've never, I've never been affluent, you know? I mean, we're not bad off, but I don't just don't have like money to burn. So like 60 bucks or a hundred bucks for a game, unless I'm really going to play it and I'm really going to have people over to play it and it's going to get played. I'm not going to, I'm not going to spend money on it. You know, a lot of times what I'll do, what I think is better is I'll like throw one of my friends 20 bucks if they'll buy it. You know, because they'll because they'll have people yeah. over at their house to play it, and I can go over there and play it with them anytime. You know, but but so I don't really have a huge shelf in my house. That that being said, I I do own games. I do have I do have probably about two two shelves maybe worth of games. I have probably twenty mm-hmm. maybe twenty games, something like that. So you played them all, though. I, I've pl- I've played a lot of them. Yeah, I definitely am quite active, and I love. I do just. I love games. Put one in front of me, and mm-hmm. I'll, I'll sit down and play it. I love and I'll have fun with it. I love it. And what's what's your what what would you say out that out that shelfie? What's kind of like the favorite one that you have? I would say. Now there's a tough question. That's is, the toughest question is, you're going to face. <laughs> you know, you know. I would say that <coughs> classically, my favorite game is Seven Wonders. I just something about it. It's just Ooh, okay. so it's so magical to me how much fun it is. I love, like I said, I love drafting. 
you know and i think one of my favorite things about about games yeah. is is i went games that you don't know who's winning until the very end because i am a really analytical person so if i'm playing a game and i can keep track of the score i will keep track of the score and if i can figure out a way to manipulate that i will also do that I'm just like that you know so the best way for me to get to where i truly just sit and enjoy the gameplay of a game is if i don't know who's winning ever like I, there may be visual indications, but they're probably yeah. wrong, you know. So yeah, I mean, I I've never been the what the type of I what I do is I pick what I think is the best strategy at the end, and then I I kind of slip into the easy land of regrets, <laughs> kind I mean, of after it's, towards it's a solid the end. Strategy, you know, I'm sitting depending there. on your goals, you know. I I just see myself slipping down. I'm the, I've never been a first person. I'm always the person that's like in third. <laughs> place and if i'm third place that's i'm cool. kind of happy with that you know or what i'll do is i'll be at the beginning is like i'll be at first and i'll i'll make some early gains in terms of points and then by the end of like everybody else is like about 70 points ahead of me like i'm i'm looking at you lords what? of water deep is always one where i'm thinking this time <laughs> got it this, this time, time this time you know that's funny i was actually just gonna bring up that you know game and it's in particular because i've never played that game in real life, uh, but through some uh, Facebook posts about uh, digital board games, I got turned on to the app, and I since I started playing it, I am I'm my name is Matt Lloyd, and I'm a Lords of Waterdeep addict. You know, I seriously love it because it's got that aspect. You don't know who's going to win. The the hidden goals are awesome. You know, yeah. you just love it. And you never really know. Another thing that I love about like that game in Seven Wonders, I feel they have a lot of similarities <laughs> because you can start the game with a game plan if you want, but depending on the first couple of cards that you get, that's all going to change. You know, it's adapt it's adaptive gaming at its best because I think it's one of these things you have to do. You have to do well with the tools that you're yeah. given and try and kind of work it, kind of like kind of work it through. Water deeps. Oh, I mean, I. It's one of these things I say, I, I I would never do you know what? I never talk about it that much. And it's really weird because I've played it I've played it a good must be four three, four times at least, in pretty quick succession. And I'm obviously enjoying what I'm doing because I am going back and having another game because it's incredibly incredibly easy to easy yeah. to learn. Um I you know, I still shy away from the digital versions of games and I don't think that is I think that's just because I have a digital life if you know what I mean, I have my video game part of things which I get involved in and then I have my analogue stuff, all my you know my board games that I play the only game I think that the the only game I think I would definitely only play digitally is um, I play a lot of Star Realms yeah um, online and digitally all the time um, and it's really difficult for me to go back to the manual version because I'm at the point now where I've actually got all the a lot of the additional packs which are quite cool you and they so add quite cards. a lot to the games yeah and you have so many cards and you learn right. the strategy but that's that's as far as kind of like digital games so much games. shuffling and stuff too would be tougher it's just you know what it's even remembering your um, your point score your influence it's yeah, remembering the scrap cards sure. and remove cards that makes and, sense yeah yeah, yeah instead yeah. of just having them light up on the screen like play this one now you yeah know? 
Remember this. Remember yeah, this no, special movie you can play. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I think. I think honestly, a big part of the reason that I'm playing board games on my phone now is because I'm not in Alaska. I think if I was in Alaska and I had seen that post, I might just, I might just go pick it up. And and, mm. the, and the truth is, I, I was just eyeing it yesterday on Amazon. I, it's on sale for like thirty bucks on Amazon. Yeah. I showed my wife, and we might just be adding Lords of Waterdeep to the collection because my wife games rarely. You know, when she does, she yeah. has fun. Um, but um, she does like games and dislike games. She likes enough to she speaks the speakadies the lingadi, you know. But she's not like yeah. a gamer, you know. And I think she would really enjoy Lords of Waterdeep. The, yeah. uh, the other thing is that I'm, I, I love, like I said, I've been reading fa- fantasy since I was yeah, a kid. Yeah. So the 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 Dark Elf trilogy I read when I was you know younger, uh-huh. and a, I'm a huge Forgotten Realms fan also. So it was kind of nice to like dive back into that world, you know. Yeah. So, but I wish somebody would make a solid Dragonlance game. That that would freak me out. I would buy it immediately. You know, <laughs> you feel like that. You got what? You got to say that three times because you know that could just appear magically. That'll be one of these things. Cool. But you know, looking for IPs is a big thing at the moment. I mean, um, there isn't a shortage of ideas, but I think there's definitely more and more kind of IPs are kind of being reconsidered and repackaged and kind of brought up again. And it's always a good time for, um, you know, we're heading into that era where. Um, IPs are cel- celebrating kind of 25 years, 30 years, 35 years of existence. So, right. you know, it's a good time for these to kind of be dusted off and kind of re- kind of refreshed. Um, did the design stuff, did that, is that something that's always been with you? Because you say, you obviously, you've mentioned, oh, I do music, I do art. I'm a graphic right. designer for the living. So have you always been a kind of a creative person? Have you always been kind of tinkering away? And were you somebody that kind of tinkered away with board games? Or is that creative side, is that something that's kind of come to the table quite relatively recently? No, 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 no. I've always been like that. I, I Like I said, I've always done, I've always, I've always done art. Uh, really, like when I got mm-hmm. into reading fantasy, I started drawing fantasy at the same time. So all those mm-hmm. old, you know, original monster manual and stuff like that. That's all the stuff that I loved that, that I started art with. And then I've, I've, mm-hmm. I've just fell in love with art back in the day. So I've always loved art. And I actually, it was in high school. I had a, a really awesome guidance counselor that kind of pointed me towards this class called communications design that I got into. And it was like, you know, so this is back in the mid nineties, right? So it was like, it was still when graphic design was just starting to transfer into being used on the computer, but mostly it was a drafting table, you know, and you had your awesome markers and your awesome pens. You had to learn how to write in that font and all that stuff. And I just fell in love with it then. And I found out that like, right then it became clear to me, I mean, you know, as a kid, you never know what you want to do. People ask you, and you're like, I want to be a jet fighter pilot or something, because that's cool. But you don't really know, right? And and, and, I, and, I, and I think the reason is, is I because... I want to be a fire truck. Right, totally. <laughs> and, and you know, when you... Like, like I, played, I played music, and I did art, and so, yeah. you know, but back then, uh, like, what do you want to do when you grow up? I want to be an artist. Like, that's not really an answer. You know what I mean? I want to be a musician. Like those aren't really professions. Yeah. I mean, some people do them, but how are you going to make a living? You know, was always the answer for that. So graphic design kind of fell in my lap back in high school and it, it became clear to me how I could channel um, everything artistic that I do into actually a profession and make money doing it and still be free 
to do art as an expressive thing because graphic design is a it's a science you know it's a uh, it's it's just uh there's so much to it there's so much technical stuff to it that i really dive in that way from like a knowledge and experience you know i I, right, I okay. sometimes do art um like for maybe a logo or something like that but not very often mostly what i do is apply good graphic design principles to somebody's art right you know? okay and i make i my my job is to make things pretty and help other people succeed by doing what i do and then i get to keep my art kind of pure and still do art for gifts for friends uh-huh. and family i'll do a painting for them or you know if i just want to sit down and draw and release or something like that and so that's kind of what's been neat about the game is all this art. It's just it was kind of a after so many years of designing that way and 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 doing the art that I did for other people because sometimes I would have a mechanic that was my client and I would be doing this gritty art style and then I would do you know a, a beauty salon and then it would be this smooth flowery art style and then for so many years I didn't actually you know do anything free expression and when i sat down to do the art for the game that was what came out was this you know kind of this old style of fantasy art that i've been doing since i was in grade school but kind of refined with all the skills that i've learned over the years and that's that's how it is and people tend to people gravitate towards it you know is it um is it difficult to create a vision create a world out of absolutely nothing when you when you've been doing stuff, you know, let's face it, I, unless you're involved in, I guess, in movie studios and certain things, I mean, did you get a lot of people coming along and saying, could you create an entire world for me with different characters? Or was it more a case of, you know, hey, we're opening up the salon in six months' time. Could you design our logo and our letterheads and stuff I like mean, that for to, us? You know, uh, no, nothing, nothing to that scale. Nothing to the scale that I'm doing now. I've never, I've never done anything mm-hmm. like this. I don't, and it sort of, this game has kind of a life of its own. It's sort of built on its own. It was just this, you know, realization I had one day that, like, you know, I love tower defense games and I love board games and how, how is there no tower mm-hmm. defense board game, you know? And then, and then I just started slowly coming up with ideas about how to put stuff together. And that was like years of just coming up with something. And then, and then it was, you know, after a couple of years of just tossing around ideas, it was like ripping out pieces of paper and writing some little stats on them and moving them around the table. Like, Oh yeah, this might work. This might work. And then we let it sit for, you know, six months. Yeah, nobody yeah. would mention it. And then it'd be like, you know, I had a dream about this and I was thinking about this. And then, but then, uh, then about five years ago, my wife and I moved to Denver from Alaska because my wife is a PhD, she's a psychologist, and so she she got All right, a okay. uh, postdoctoral fellow. She had just graduated, just gotten her PhD, and she got a postdoctoral fellowship position in Denver. So, so we moved there um, and just decided to. I mean, I I was still I basically decided to take on two jobs because I needed to run my my graphic design business and and bring in money that way. But I also decided to kind of dive in with both feet on the the game. And then, uh, and then, like two years ago, uh, it all just kind of came together, and, and we reassessed again, and just decided to dive in. I suppose with all four feet this time um, into the game, and and here we are. You know, yeah. What's it been like, kind of? I mean, you moving into a new place, and then when it came to like play testing things. Were you kind of in that place? Were you the guy that was kind of like turning up at game nights with a box full of stuff and saying, 
would anybody like to play yep. a game? Except not in the jigsaw killing you yeah, type yeah. way, but I've got a board game here mm-hmm. under my arm. Yeah, and it was totally crazy because, uh, I mean, the game is a tower defense game, right? So it's always been since the beginning that you can play it solo, yeah. but it should be able to be able to play with more people. So by the time I ever, ever got mm-hmm. into a shop in the Denver area, uh, I had been by myself in the house for like a week solo playing this or simulating multiple players and trying to take game notes at the same time. Yeah. So by the time I got there, I was really awkward and weird and just fit in perfectly, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my weird. It's like, oh, I feel like slightly socially awkward. Oh, right. Have it's, a seat. It's son. time to go to the game right store, in. you know. It's By the time you come out, you'll, and every night, by, by the, the light of the moon, out, Matt Lloyd transforms himself. You feel like you belong. You know, you'll have your confidence back by the time you walk out that game store. <laughs> it's like being in Cheers. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> but I mean, what's is it in terms of playtesting? Is it is it strange to kind of get kind of feedback from people to? to kind of take stuff on board. I mean, I know what it's like kind of working on your own thing and getting feedback back. There's two ways to approach it. It's like, that's a really bad idea, I hate you, or that's a really good idea, I hate you, because I didn't think of that coming up and now you've made my game kind of infinitely better. I mean, do you have to, um, especially if it's been a baby and something you've been kind of invested so much time on, um, is was the playtesting side was that kind of a was that a kind of a an uncomfortable kind of being out your kind of your comfort zone kind of going in there and asking for direct Not feedback so kind you of know, thing kind of the, so the oddest thing about this game has been that it like I said it just started with an idea and it sort of has grown on its own but the really strange hmm. thing is that every every this I would never have done a game solely by myself if I had the option. But what's been happening over and over and over again, this entire process is as soon as I like, I realize that my game needs something. Right. And then I sit down and I really assess, okay, mm-hmm. like what does it need? And who can I find that does that? And I already know how to do that. You seen that movie Slumdog Millionaire. You seen that? Yeah. It's exactly like, yeah, that. yeah, absolutely. It's not fair, yeah. honestly, because if I didn't, uh, <laughs> Every time it's so blatant to me that, like, I have the experience, I at least know enough about a subject that I should, you know, dive in and top off my knowledge and just do it myself. I don't have an excuse, you know, and it's just my family. Mm -hmm. So if I pay somebody to do it for me, I'm spending family money. I don't have, like, a, you know, a business budget on this. So, um, so that kind of fell into that category because I've been a creator my entire life. I've, I've been doing art and I'm, you know, writing music and stuff. This is what I do is make, make new things out of nothing. Um, and then take a, and then, and then hear people's mm-hmm. feedback on it. And if you are, have thin skin about the things that you make, you're not going to okay. make it long doing this, right? You have to learn, but you know, that, that being said, the natural human reaction is the second of the two examples that you gave. It's, you know, the, reacting in that first way as you know fully positive thank you for the construction constructive criticism that's really you know awesome is really it's it's a learned behavior it took me years to do because you're because you are you're really proud of what you made and and and, but what you learn over time is that you know somebody doing that to what you made is is only going to make it 
better. You know, with with just you having seen it, you may think that it's perfect, but that's because you've got blinders on because it's just you looking at it. You're not somebody else looking at it, but as soon as somebody else looks at it and gives you their perspective and you don't even have to take that immediately and do what they said, because it's your thing. You get to choose what you do with their information. But if you integrate that in with your own ideas and it spawns something new and improves what you made, and then somebody else comes along and says, that is perfect. It's like the best feeling in the world. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And also you can see something you could take sometimes a game in a in a different slightly different direction that kind of makes that one change can yeah. be the thing that kind of is the hook that Absolutely. kind of spawns kind of other ideas that gets you going to about like well, let's what about this what if we did right. this instead or what if we did that as well. And I think um what about um blind testing as well? I mean, did you do that? Did you actually just say I'll tell you what Here's the rules. Here's the game. I'm gonna go and sit. You know, I'm gonna go and sit in the corner and just let you guys kind of get yeah, on with uh, it and let me biggest, know what you kind of think. Uh, the biggest hurdle towards starting that that was uh, a later. It was a later thing that I did. Uh, I did a lot of guided playtesting for a long time beforehand because the biggest hurdle for blind playtesting is you have to mm-hmm. know that your rules are thorough. That what that whatever they're gonna come up with, you're yes. not going to explain it and yes. answer the question. So everything you've ever said about explaining this game, every question you've ever answered while you were live play testing, you need to answer that in your rules. So until those are solid, I wouldn't put mm-hmm. play testing it in front of somebody. But once I did, that was really uh then the feedback is not about the game itself. Because hopefully you've got that mostly ironed out by that point, but it's on it's on the rules. You know, like we didn't know how to do this, and mm. we didn't know where to find the answer. And then you know to clear that up. You know, no, no, totally. No, I was playing a game. On, I was playing a game on Friday that um, everything was really running really, really smoothly. I mean, this thing was going like butter, and there was just one bit where we couldn't find um, how you got experience. You basically you earned kind of energy. And, um, you know, um, it wasn't clear how you got that kind of experience. And it was in one line in a fairly innocuous part of the rules. And it was like, oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought, like, if that had been kind of maybe missed out, then that would have completely taken out a whole kind of chunk of the game. And I think that's, yeah, I see it. I see it as, you know, we've done, we've written quite a few kind of previews now. And one of the things that... Is one of the things you cringe at is when you're reading through the rules and you're going, "It's not making any sense." Yeah. I need to speak to this person about this mechanic because this isn't clear from the rules, and it's kind of like, "Yeah, it's kind of rolled." And there's, I think, there's, I think, um, it, there's a big difference. I've sure. seen a lot. Of, I've seen it's, it's so a lot of designers yeah. actually bringing on people to write the rules and play about with the rules for them. Because they're aware that, you know, yeah, it's getting that right because it can make the difference between somebody saying, I got this, I got it delivered after I fun you know, I helped found it on Kickstarter and I played it once and it took me an hour and a half to learn the thing and it took me, we only played it for 45 minutes because we kept having to refer back to the, the rule book and there's kind of nothing, you know, there's right, nothing there, exactly. nothing worse than kind of that. Um, you know, and, and here's where I uh, am trained to do layout. Mm-hmm. and stuff like that because I'm a graphic designer that's, mm-hmm. and, and my father is an English major so I grew up he's a real stickler for our grammar our spelling and oh, right. we had to be really good at that the whole time so um, that's yeah I've got no excuse not to write my own rule 
book, right? I know, exactly. <laughs> You'd probably be really tough on yourself as well if you got it wrong. Yeah, Do you know yeah, I, mean? I here, definitely have, here, yeah. Well, I feed it to my brother, <laughs> my older brother. I feed it to him. All right. And if, and, if, and if he catches it, then yeah, I do get really down on myself because that means he's a little bit smarter than I am. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I doubt that's very true. So, you, uh, to, yeah. to, to answer your question about, to get back to playtesting. Yeah. Uh, one of the, the things I used to love most is when I would I would come up with something new about the game, then I would bring it to a gaming store and put it down in front of strangers and have a play, and um, they would break it, right? Inevitably, if they're if they're like high quality gamers, they're going to find a mechanic about your game that has a loophole in it, and they're going to yeah. take advantage of it. And they're going to break your game. They're either going to win it or they're going to you know lose it horribly. But either way, the balance is off, and it and it puts it right in your face how it's broken. Mm-hmm. I did that for, I mean, I don't know how many years I got my game broken over and over and over again. Every time somebody broke it, mm-hmm. I just walked out with a smile on my face because like it was so good to have that happen in the playtesting phase. Every time that happened, I felt really good about that. Like, cause I'm trying to make a thing here, right? If I skipped over this, then I might, I might put something out that's part, you know, subpar. So, and I go back and I fix whatever it was that got broken and how it got broken, problem solve that. And then a lot of times that led to new things in the game because I had to introduce a mechanic to solve that or take away a mechanic in order to solve yeah, modify yeah. something. So then I would bring it back with that new mechanic to play test that and somebody would break something else or break what I just made and I'd have to go back again but then naturally there was this time where like I took it and people tried and they couldn't break it they just had fun playing and then I took it again and said hey last time I dropped this people tried to break it and they couldn't I want you to try and break my game and yeah. they tried and they and they couldn't do it and it, and it, uh, I hit a point at some point where the game was just like solid the gameplay was tight the numbers were absolutely right. There's no way to break the game. I've invited people over and over and over again. And what I've found is this. If you try and break my game, you're just going to come up with this crazy strategy that I've never thought of that's going to work yeah. really well. You're going to do really well in the game. Because you can't break it, but you are going to you're going to find something, some way to play the game really well that I never intended. You know, but but it's going to happen. So it's really it's really been you know, I'm, I'm, it's been the best thing for my game is having it broken over and over and over and over again. But I mean, that's um, that is to our defense games to a T, though. I mean, something. I mean, I when I saw, you know, when it was first introduced to like Terminus Breach, and I was looking over it and kind of reading about it, and you were telling, you know, was kind of reading the documentation and looking, you know, what it what it was. I. The only game I could think of which was kind of in the same kind of ballpark was Mex Mex versus Minions, because that is kind of you know it is a case of you're 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 facing an unstoppable horde, and you've got to use kind of various different tactics, and there wasn't anything else. There wasn't anything else kind of close to it, which was kind of interesting. Right. I personally, I'm a huge fan of um, tower defense games. You know, give me I must have spent I sunk like literally. Years into Jelly Defense, which was an Android oh, game, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. You know sure. what? I'm, you know what I'm talking about. And not only just completing levels, 
but getting the kind of the three stars on every level and getting the kind the of the three stars yeah, on everything, yeah, yeah, you yeah. always got to go back through, yeah. right? That's what tower defense games are fun twice. Yeah, you know, you got to work your way through the game. Yeah, then you have to crush the game. Yeah, you know, exactly, exactly. You just have to dominate. So everything. As, a, as, as a Kingdom Rush fan, I think that was my favorite oh. series. Was those three games, Kingdom Rush, where they're just so amazing because the storyline is incredible and just the crap. It's really the game that inspired the art in Terminus Breach the most. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, that's what I think. I can't think of anything else kind of out there or that has been on the market of late, which was kind of like Tower Defense. And I was like, and it's like, well, here, well, that's kind of the thing is there wasn't, you know, back when I came up with this, it was before even the King's Armory came out. So there really yeah. wasn't like anything ever at all that, that even remotely resembled a tower defense game. So I didn't, and, and I wasn't planning on making games. So I didn't start out with that plan to like, okay, yeah. I'm going to sit down and start a publishing company and make games, right? Where am I going to start? I had this idea, right? So I didn't, I didn't start with a game or a game mechanic or an idea of how a game works and, and modify that or build off of that. I really just started from scratch. Like, how can I make, okay, let's start with a grid. And then how am I going to make those work? So all the, all the mechanics in my game are all, you know, for the most part, they're, they're unique. They're made only to fit the game the way that, and, and I honestly couldn't tell you if other games have mechanics. Now, now that's not to say that uh, there are influences in my game because this one's, might be a little controversial, but I am a huge Catan fan. I love it, Settlers of Catan. Um, and oh, I, I and you just ruins like everything. Just ruins the I whole know, show. I know. I go, that, I no, go it's fine. Do you know what I mean? No, you like what you like. If people like what you like, and that's fine. You know what I mean? Everybody's got to find their own way, and Catan does like so ridiculously well and it's introduced so many people to the hobby so what could be wrong yeah. about something which has introduced so many people to the hobby you know um, yeah yeah um, yeah I definitely but, took some nods from Catan that are in my game yeah. you know set collection aspect mm-hmm. um, you know things like little things like that that you know were just so so well done in Catan that I wanted them to I wanted to nod to one of my favourite games ever you know What's it been like getting the word out there? Because um... God, it is exhausting. I gotta tell you, like <laughs> I've never felt so much like a David surrounded by Goliaths. I don't know if you've seen a picture of me, but I'm a pretty decent sized guy. I'm a six two, two eighty. You know, I've got a poster up on the wall. Yeah, <laughs> you're my yeah, favorite. Car- you're my favorite cardboard cutout. You know, <laughs> as a f- officially my favorite bearded game designer. You know. <laughs> That's great. You get flowers in your hair. You're looking a bit wistful, but the beard is strong. <laughs> it's the one outside. You know the one where you've got the shirt on. Yeah, you know yeah, that's where I've got I'm... the shirt on. That's, that's good. It is that's that the... does set aside the rest of my videos where I'm out there without a shirt on. <laughs> I I can't even. I I'm saving them for later. But <laughs> but but anyway, I mean, as a as somebody who is kind of reaching out to people and saying, <laughs> guys. I got this game, but you know it's ready. It's kind of can you help me? Kind of spread the word out. Um, you said it's like it's been exhausting. It's been like you know David surrounded by Goliath. I mean, is it with the nature of the beast the way that Kickstarter is now? 
has it been really, really hard work to get people kind of interested, to get people kind of involved? Yeah, and absolutely. And to find still, your kind of your champions. It's still kind of not working. You know, I'm trying to do all these things. Uh, places that I'd love to be where, where exposure that I would love to have, I've, I've, I've haven't, yeah. I haven't gotten. I don't know if I will ever get over the duration of the campaign. Like, like Kickstarter projects we love. I don't know how to get on that. I mean, I did over 50% in the first 48 hours and didn't get it. So I don't know what, I don't know what their qualifier is, but I didn't get it. So I'm not, I'm not getting any traction there. Kick track. I'm not getting enough to be on kick track. I'm not, I'm not going to be on the board game geek hot list. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I mean, those kind of things are holding me back, but it's, it's, it is sort of strange because I've been working on this game for so long and I've been studying Kickstarter and, and, you know, kind of the business administration aspect of this for so long that when i when i really started to take this seriously like five years ago kickstarter was the way to do it you know what i mean back when they like came out you could really just go on with like hand-drawn stuff if you had a decent halfway formed idea you could probably fund it on kickstarter for a game you know it was really about like raw developing raw ideas and and so and so i got my stuff developed to a certain point but then by the time i got there kickstarter had developed enough to they're like no you need to be a little more professional you know, you need to have like mm-hmm. game development done. Like, okay, cool, I'll do that. So I got my game development done. They're like, no, you know what? You should really have like art on your prototypes. I'm like, okay, cool. So I'll get art on my prototypes. So now it's like you really should have a little business, and you should have a marketing budget, and you should know everybody in the industry, and you should all of these things should be checked off before you even try and launch a, a game on Kickstarter. You know, so it's 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 very different now than it was when I when I started out doing this as a one-man project back when I started it it was much more realistic that I could do this you know but I mean it's gonna happen I, I I'm 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 confident that we're gonna fund but um, but I don't know that we'll yeah. ever be on the front page of anything you know I don't I don't I honestly don't know how to solve this it's really interesting because Kickstarter's ever evolving it's day by day so now that it is so difficult for first-time creators to get through the noise uh, i mean i don't honestly i'm i'm, I'm kind of thinking that like maybe the best way to do it is to find i mean i don't, I don't know champions within the industry or something you know yeah. or so, but that's the only way you know is to like attach myself to a goliath maybe because mm-hmm. I, I don't i just don't you know, I don't have like a marketing budget, right? Any money that I spend on advertisements is, uh, you know, money that's not going to bills, you know, it's just me and my family trying to do this thing. So, um, so I don't yeah, have like yeah. BGG ads because yeah. I can't afford BGG ads, you know, the one big thing, I mean, here's, here's how hard it is to, uh, to keep up with current events. Um, when I, cause I launched first in March and uh, there were no minis in my game then. And when I launched in March, you had to have minis in your game in order to even vie for people's attention. Now I'm giving away the yeah. STL files for my minis because people don't care about minis. This is eight months later. You know, I mean, it's not that people don't care about minis. Yeah, but it's the next. It's the next yeah. thing. No, yeah, no, no, no. It's that's it. That's it. It's a kind of a, it's, it's kind of changing. But you got to remember, there's been a couple of big. Hitters, I mean, every, the latest thing that's come out is this whole Ninja Division thing. Ninja Division, the latest kind of uh, dungeon explore game, you know, 
took over a million dollars and then they're turning around and saying they're $750,000 in debt and the campaign was only up to like $80,000. It's like, well, how can you have a, you know? And so people are, people are starting to be cautious. There's, there's been quite a few little campaigns which have been delayed. Um, that are these big kind of huge behemoths. And I think that people, you'll get a natural cycle where people are going to turn around and say, do you know what, actually, um, I want to maybe see somebody that is putting their putting their ass on right. the line here, that is actually kind of working their ass off, that has kind of done everything, that is trying to follow up everybody. And I'm not saying, right, for a second, that say your Mantics and your 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 Simons of this world don't produce right, high course, quality yeah. products, but you know then you get monolith you, you get monolith doing like a pre order system on Kickstarter. I mean, and you're just like, oh, guys, blatantly a pre order system. What the hell? Right? Ha- they didn't even make any pretenses that. What the like, hell you know, happened? They, they they straight up said like this product nah. is finished. We just <laughs> it's ready. It's ready to go. Yeah, that was the agreement. It's, it's so ready hard, to go yeah. and everything like that. And it's happening right next to my campaign. So it's this, it's this creates this really odd di- dichotomy, you know. But unfortunately, my campaign is like way mm. back in the corner, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but I mean, is this is this now kind of like the current? Uh, now I brought this up in a in a group. I brought this up in a couple of groups quite recently, which was I basically and I've said this in a couple of podcasts now that there seems to be this big huge thing about getting funded within the first forty eight hours, which is pushing people to to drop their funding goal to see that they are funded in the first 48 hours. And to me, I think it's bullshit. Well, I mean... You know, um, that people are getting... People like first-time creators like yourself are getting forced into a corner to drop their drawers in order to have a really low funding level in the hope that you get funded. I I sort of half agree with you. you. I sort of half agree with you because I, you know, as a creator right now, I absolutely wish it were the mm. way that you're saying. I agree with you in that. But but when it comes down to any kind of business venture ever at all, yeah. there's always been a certain amount of risk. And there's, and there is, you have to be willing to go into debt yourself in order to make your business yeah. venture you know, so those kind those kind of things have always happened behind the scenes, behind the scenes from a business perspective, right? Kickstarter and the and the way the the, the market is now, it's 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 become kind of commonplace knowledge that businesses are starting to do this, and that changes perception. But the fact of the matter is, businesses have always done mm-hmm. that. You know, they've always given you a, a a false, you know, idea of what it was, so that they could. You know, boost sales because they know that if they boost sales, they're going to make up those costs in the future. Yeah. Investing those future costs, those future, um, you know, it's basically taking, you know, money on paper from point A to point B that you're going to earn here and put it here instead. You know, so I don't know. It kind of makes good business sense, but I also wish that the market wasn't the way that it is so that we had to do Yeah. That. My you only. Know, but, but, but then again, like we're talking, it, it changes so fast. So here's another thing is, uh, I was just seeing some posts earlier today about um, about reviews, about paid previews, mm-hmm. right? And when I launched back in March, I I had multiple uh, kind of smaller companies review my campaign. The biggest one I did was Geek Dad. Yeah. It was a written review, um, and then I had uh, Unfiltered Gamer. I had Michael Wright at Unfiltered Gamer do a video for yeah. me, and he was like my that was like my big feature video review. 
because, but I didn't do well. And, and a lot of the feedback I got was that I needed to really invest, you know, some money in a, in a good preview video and get either the Dice Tower or Man vs. Meeple. And at this time, eight months ago, Tantrum House wasn't even really a thing, right? So it was really just those two yeah. that was like, do, do that and, and put it in front of their audience of 200,000 people. And that's what you need. So eight months go by or rather six months go by, I save up enough money, and I get my video, my paid preview from the Dice Tower from Mark Street, which is really amazing. It's like the most incredible overview. He, I mean, the way that he, that, that those two understand the game and they do such a good job explaining it, it's phenomenal to watch. But it, it, I don't really know that it was worth it at this point. And now people are like, oh, you probably shouldn't have spent that money on the paid preview. You probably should have taken that money and given it to a whole bunch of smaller places and had them do it because these people really care and will get behind but there's just it just moves too fast you know and things change exactly. too fast i just can't just i just can't keep up you know what i mean i spent six months relaunching and doing what people asked and by the time it's time to do it they're like ah oh, that's not really what we want you probably shouldn't have paid that much money for a video you know so i mean who knows who knows what's going to happen tomorrow I guess this is my point. Like, like next week, the whole opinion of Kickstarter might change because of something, and all of a sudden, I'm on top. You know. <laughs> Who knows? Well, in <laughs> fairness, Matt, you've got twenty. You've got you know, at time of recording, you've got over twenty days to go. You're at sixty six percent. You know, um, this is traditionally yeah. you know this is traditionally where things kind of stay steady and grow continually, or and then before the rush. You know, potentially at the end, so things are obviously they're kind of they're kind of looking strong and good. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, you know, it it is it definitely is looking good. I mean, as, you know, but on my side of it, it's not looking great because we've hit that plateau really mm-hmm. hard, and we've actually bounced up once, bounced up and down once or twice since then. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're really not a whole lot further than we were four days ago. We just got that initial rush on the flash funding goal. Got yeah, up. we're just just above fifty percent, forty eight hours in, and now we're at sixty six percent. So it's a slow climb from here on out. You know, the the good, good. news is though, what's what's really interesting is there are seven hundred and twenty one people following the campaign. Yeah, like that. Have clicked click that little heart. That little heart. Remind me. Yeah, seven hundred and twenty one people following the campaign. I've got one hundred and eighty backers. No. You know. Yeah. So hopefully that last 48 hours, I'm really holding out hope that when all those people get a message, a decent percentage of them will convert and that'll, that'll start unlocking stretch goals in those last 48 hours. You know? <laughs> like, like the beard um, thing. Uh, you have to do the beard thing. If you don't do the beard thing, um, I will, I, I'll probably do nothing. I'll sit in the corner and sulk and say there's somebody else that didn't listen to my amazing idea. <laughs> And you know, just cry, cry again. myself, cry myself asleep again. You know, and and wear my Matt let me down T-shirt around town for a couple of weeks. I'll promise you right now, that's you know? my two hundred thousand dollar goal. If we get <laughs> if we get anywhere near, that's what you said, right? Two hundred thousand. If we get anywhere 200, near two hundred thousand, I will. I'll make a yeah. I'll make a cardboard cutout of my beard as a PMP, and everybody can. But I'll have little holes in it for a rubber band, and you can. Put it on and do your best man. Oh, bless. Put on some sunglasses you, and a sir. flat cap. Bless. You know, and it'll be. Oh wow! It'll be like a, it'll be like an army of Matty Lloyds <laughs> going about. <laughs> you know, what I mean, frightening kids. Will the, will the real Matty Lloyd please stand up? Please stand up! <laughs> please stand up! You know, 
You know, I've, we've not actually spoken about the game, which is absolutely fantastic, but there's lots of people out there that have spoken about the game, but for people that haven't, that haven't, like, checked out the, the campaign, and go and go away, pause the podcast and go and check the links. There's links in the show notes to, like, show you where the podcast is. But, my, what is the elevator pitch for Terminus Breach TD? It depends. I have, go. I have two. Um, I always well, start with. Both. I always start with. Do you know what a tower defense game is, right? Because it very much changes my elevator pitch. But if you don't, if you don't know what a tower defense game is, it's basically where there's a uh, there's a map and a path, and bad guys march along that path and they try to get from one end to the other, and you build towers or traps or something, and you try and stop them from getting to the end of the path. And if they get off the end of the path, that works against you. That's the basis of a tower defense game. That is also the basis of my board game because it's a pure tower defense game. It's got a grid with a map and a path, a fully modular map and path. So you can make whatever map you want and path that you want once it's yours. Um, and uh, yeah, there's 15 waves of bad guys that come along uh, the path split into five battles of three waves each. And at the end of every, this is weird. I feel like you should be saying this. I feel like you're better at it than I am. You know, because I've heard you say it so... And at the end of every fifth ways, you fight a boss. <laughs> Each with unique and powerful abilities. <laughs> Each with a powerful, unique and powerful abilities. That's pretty great. You know. And at the end of each battle is a lull. I can't, I can't, I can't say the lull the way <laughs> you do. That is a lull. Is, that, is that hard to say that with a Scottish lull. accent? Lull? No, it's not that. It's not that. It's not particularly that hard. But it's kind of hard. Yeah, it's, it's it's really difficult kind of doing that. Uh, doing that craft. You know, it takes a lot of uh, talking. It takes a lot of hard right. work. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm good at talking, so it's all fine. So there's a lull. So you can either um, you can you can use money to up your reinforcements to um, upgrade your towers. Um, or you can even appeal to the king for help yeah. um, at any point. Basically, at any point, if um, if the dracker get too far along the track um, and potentially gets your, I think it's your panic level up um, up too far, then the king basically calls Denver, it a day yeah. and the game is yeah. over. He recalls the armies and the game ends. Yep. So. Uh, you see? Yeah, and it's basically you every, know, every turn. Do you know, like, well, look, I recited that thing like 38 right, times. Totally, you you know, did, totally. I, to I, I think my favorite line in the whole thing is, every turn is a wave. I think that's it's, that, that was actually the line that I had to ask you to turn down the Scottish. I'm like, nobody can understand the word turn. Yeah, exactly. You see, in America, turn has one syllable, you see. <laughs> turn. Turn. Yeah, it's got like three with you. Turn, you know? It's a turn. It's a turn. It's a turn. My wife it's is a like, a, a tadun? It's like that. Every wave is a tadun? What's a tadun? You know? Yeah. It's a small Scottish oat cake that's got <laughs> honey on top. I got to tell you, when, when we first got to Glasgow, when I was traveling, we walked into a pub to go get a Guinness, like, right off the bat, you know? And uh, this guy, he heard us yeah. talking, and he came up, and we were sitting at the bar, came up and put an arm around each of us, and he said, where are you faina biggin? And I, I just had no. We just <laughs> stared at him, and he looked back at us, and he's all bleary eyed. And he's like, "We said what?" And he's like, "Where are you fain?" He's like, "A big in, hey, where are you fain?" 
was like, I don't know. He said, America, right? I was like, yeah, we're American. He said, well, so where are you fighting? I, like, I don't know what you're saying to us right now. He said, like, oh, that's right. You're American. I'm going to slow this down. Where are you from? You know, I was like, that's great. You know? And he said, Ed, you're a big oh, guy. That's what I'm word. saying. Big guy. Big in. It's like, oh, thanks for the translation. You know, about three days later, we started to understand everybody. Oh, my goodness. You know? But Glasgow, I learned Glasgow is its own unique and crazy when it comes to a Scottish accent, right? Oh, yeah. Glaswegian accent. It's is, West is, Coast. Is, it's it's no joke, West Coast. You know? Yeah. Edinburgh is a bit more posh. Oh, is that right? Where, uh, Glasgow is a bit, yeah, Glasgow is a bit more kind of higher pitched. And Edinburgh is a tourist city and Glasgow's the working city. That's the right, kind of that the makes way to sense. Look at it. Edinburgh, Edinburgh, Edinburgh's got the castle and Glasgow's got everything else. Glasgow's got Sucky Hall Street. <laughs> you know, right? that's what they. It has indeed, yeah. Actually, and, and, and Edinburgh's got Princess Street. You know, right? So, so we were we were busking, playing music on the street, and uh, and my, we were actually playing uh, traditional Scottish and Irish music. That's what as part of what we grew up playing. And so my buddy had a set of shuttle pipes, and I was playing a whole bunch of other accompanying instruments. And uh, and he, it was it got to be too cold in Glasgow for his fingers. He had bad circulation in his fingers. He couldn't get it moving fast enough on the pipes to play. So we kind of got stranded in, in in Glasgow. And so I had to work. Uh, I took under the table jobs because we didn't have visas. I worked as a bouncer there on Saki Hall Street for a little wow. bit, and that was a, that was a, a quite an experience. I I grew up sort of fighting in Alaska, but I've never been headbutted so much in my entire life. I got to tell you. <laughs> that that that's growing up in Alaska. I thought that was just a ridiculous stereotype of Scottish people, and that's not true. It really is how no, like like Americans really like push or spit or flick something in your face to start a fight. Um, Scottish people yeah. like uh, the headbutt's a qualifier. No, you know? we, we go for the kill. Yeah, if you, if, yeah we well, go for I the kill. Like yeah. Scottish people figure if you make it through the opening headbutt, then you're worth fighting. You know, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> What's the cost? The pledge level. Oh, oh for, it's oh, it's for pledging oh, it's on the $49. game. Forty nine dollars. My get the game level. The game is forty nine dollars. <laughs> yes, the game level. What are we go. talking about, yeah, anyways? Yeah. What are we talking? It's all right. We're only so, talking so about I'm, your Kickstarter. on the Kickstarter That's campaign. Funny. I have a I have a one dollar pledge level for anybody that wants to get yeah. in. Where you get, you know, you get the STL files for all five of my boss miniatures that I sculpted, and and you get mm-hmm. access to the pledge manager and everything like that. Then the game level is forty nine dollars. Um, uh, for the game and mm-hmm. all unlock stretch goals and everything, um, and then I have uh, sixty metal, sixty custom metal coins as an add-on, and a uh, 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 twenty-four by thirty-six inch—I don't know how many millimeters that is—neoprene uh, uh, mat as an add-on, and then I have two kind of collector mm-hmm. levels um, in the game, which are running out quickly. But I have a two forty-nine level where um, you get everything uh, above that, and you get to help. Collaborate with me to make a Draca in the game to help make a bad guy. That'll be a permanent part of the game. Um, and then, and then I have a four ninety nine level where you you get to help collaborate with me to make a playable character in the game. And and then with that level, you get two copies of Terminus Breach, and you get a. I'm I'm making wooden boxes where I've done a lot of wood car or wood burning. Uh, decoration in my life also so I'll, I'll make these wooden boxes the same size as the um, terminus breach box and 
do some, do some wood burning and painting on it and, and make those up. And then you can take out, hopefully, your game trays and everything that's in the box and put it in your wooden box. And then the second copy is to keep it in plastic. Keep it in plastic in the corner just in case it ever gains value. You know, so it's really like a, mm-hmm. that's the collector mm-hmm. edition. You know? Yeah, those are the ways to, to back. So, and if people have listened along tonight and they want to keep an eye on where you are up to, um, where do you exist on the interweb um, Pretty much everywhere. I mean, I'm, I'm on BGG. I'm, on, I'm big on Facebook. I'm all over Facebook. I have a Facebook page and a Facebook group for Terminus Breach. I'm on Twitter under Terminus Breach. I'm on Instagram under Terminus Breach. Um, yeah, you pretty much find me. Find me everywhere except where I'm not allowed, like Reddit, you know? <laughs> no, that's not even true. I actually have I have fans um, of the game, backers of the game that are ambassadoring for me on Reddit that are going on and dropping on posts, which is nice because I'm, I can't do that myself, you know? Cool. Well, what we'll do is we'll make sure that we put all of these links in the show notes so that we've got notes to show. If you want to keep an eye on what we're up to, then go to the internet webs and search for We're Not Wizards and you'll find us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and our website, which is we'renotwizards.com and our blog, which is we'renotwizards.blogspot.com and you'll also find us on all the interweb net podcaster catch catch thingies. Which is like your stitchers and your speakers and your ACAS and your cast boxes and Podknife and even on Podbean itself. And you get us on YouTube because Podknife, um, because Podbean puts everything that we make onto YouTube as well. Um, if you like what you've listened to tonight, um, <clears throat> and bless you if you have, then um, consider going to Apple Podcasts and dropping us a rating or a review. If you are going to give us a rating, then don't give us 10 stars because that makes us big-headed. But don't give us one star because that makes us cry and I'm an ugly crier. Give us five stars because it's in the middle and it's average. And we're just a little bit average. (laughs) Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But the person who's not been average tonight is a rather wonderful, rather fantastic Mr. Matt Lloyd. Thank you very much, sir, for being on. That was a good time. Thank you. There's only two more things to do. The first thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Matt? No, no. I mean, I am. I'm actually a professional right. ninja wizard. That's right. what I am. I don't want to know that. I'm not hearing that. But and the I, second thing is... I understand that you are not don't. wizards. I get it. That's very, very good, and you should recognize that before you insult me, sir. And the second thing is to say goodbye. So it's goodbye from Matt. Say goodbye, Matt. Cheers. Goodbye, Matt. And it's a goodbye. It's again. Yeah, okay. It's like you guys get together and decide to do this every single time. And the second thing is to... And it's a goodbye from me. So remember, stay safe, roll sixes. And... um. I don't know, I get, I mean watch the video and if you want to hear me butcher a Scottish accent but remember that you should remember to check out and if you really like the look of Terminus Breach, remember to back it as well, for goodness sake back and share but until until the next time you great big jobby goodbye (laughs) 